if you're in a position to rapidly prototype your video where you can test and say, is this working rather than making the big gamble and say, oh, I like put all this work into this video and it's uh, like, that's the worst feeling in the world. So if you can test and, and iteratively work through your video, um, that's how I do it. You have your key topics and your support, visualize those, test those. Then next you want to write the hook. If you can test that, then your call to action, test that, and then make the through line and pass it out. So you can get a lot more by testing. Welcome to another episode of the Audience Builder Podcast, where we interview some of the best-in-class marketers and creators to learn from the experience building audience with video and content. Today, we are delighted to invite Kevin Oster, learning strategist at Synthesia, who spearheads the production of Synthesia Academy. Coming from an instructional design background, Kevin's got some really interesting take on how to create engaging video content that converts, entertains, and educates. In the next hour, Kevin shares with us what his strategy looks like at Synthesia, his video creation framework step-by-step, and insightful tips for up-and-coming video creators. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for accepting the invite, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here. Awesome. So can you start us off by briefly introducing yourself, what you do as a learning strategist and um, where do you work at? Sure. So, uh, my name is Kevin Alster. I'm a learning strategist at Synthesia, but what does that mean? I still don't quite know myself. So I, I can tell you through the lens of my main job, which is to help people communicate better through video. I know that a lot of folks, uh, especially if you've been following AI-enabled tools in the past few months, then you know that it's getting easier and easier to create content. And the big problem that I'm trying to solve is just because there's these tools that help you create the actual content better, whether that's video or images, it doesn't necessarily mean it's any good. And so it's my job, I feel like, as someone with an instructional design background and other media production experience to help people learn how to make a video that's not just useful, but also impactful and engaging. So that's my main job. I have two kind of big hats that I wear at Synthesia. One is um, I head up Synthesia Academy, which is our customer education and product education. So that's teaching people how to use Synthesia, which is our online web-based video browser tool. I teach them how to edit video. And then the other hat I wear is more about video and AI in general. I'm an AI whisperer where it's my job to talk to folks, especially in, in older generations who are getting used to this video and say, hey, AI is not scary. Check it out. I'll hold your hand along the way. Let's get you there. So that's in a nutshell, what I do uh, at Synthesia and just in life in general. Thank you for the quick intro. I think first of all, can you give a high-level internal structure of your team? Like, who do you work with? Are you part of marketing or are you a separate department? And then the second question is, um, at a high level, what type of content do you produce and for what channels? Wow. Okay. So there's a lot in there. Uh, starting with team structure. Um, so I, I sit under the marketing team. Um, so learning serves two functions. It's one, if people know how to make video, they're going to want to use our video product. So there's that whole customer education piece, which is where Synthesia Academy comes in. Um, and the point of that is really focused on not so much talking about how to use the tool, but how you can think about taking your idea 
and turning that into a video. Because I think in theory, that sounds simple, but a lot of people struggle with how long should the video be? How do I identify my audience? And so there's a lot of work that we do that goes into teaching people how to create videos. We do find our product is very easy to use for folks, but then what are all like the tips and tricks that people want to learn to make their video very engaging or uh, they want to know if we put a video out, oh, how did you highlight a shape in that special way? So that's what a lot of the educational content that comes on the Synthesia Academy side comes from. There's also the um, the, the top of funnel, um, I guess, more marketing videos that, that I do, which is like, how do we use AI to actually create the video? And so it's my job to do more top of funnel awareness stuff of here's the different use cases that you might have, and here's how I would approach it. And maybe you'd like to do in, in that way as well, maybe not, but this is more for inspiration. So it's education and inspiration. So the education part, I feel like is less the marketing team and just where we sit in the organization, but the more top of funnel, how do you do this with video? That's more of a part of our marketing, uh, marketing strategy as well. Also, do you guys have a specific channel strategy, uh, dedicated to video as well, um, or just use website as main starting point and then use YouTube or like channels like TikTok as distribution channels? Mm. It, well, that's a good question. I think it really depends. We have a lot of different channels, but it wasn't always that way. I think um, we use those different channels for different reasons. Um, and without getting too much into kind of what channel per funnel, it's I like to think of it more as what channel do we use for what the audience is looking for. So what problem are they trying to solve? Um, and then how do we serve up that content? So for example, with YouTube, that's for me, that's more uh, part of the top of the funnel strategy where it's people who are searching for how do I use an AI talking head? That's gonna be a video that's really well suited for YouTube where I don't really care so much about talking about Synthesia as a product. I really care about helping them solve that problem. And I just so happen to be using our video tool as a way to help them solve that problem. Um, if we're looking at Synthesia Academy, so looking at the website, that's where I'm saying, oh, maybe this is more people who have heard of Synthesia um, and they want to, um, learn how to make videos specifically within the product. So they may maybe want to use our FOCA video creation process, which is how we lead novice creators uh, through the process of how to create a video. They probably are already familiar with our products or they're probably familiar with our, um, our academy and they're looking for specific techniques that we use. And again, using the tool to teach. Um, and then I guess for more of the awareness stuff, it's more about getting people familiar with AI avatars and what is the use of AI. So that's where you might use something like TikTok to demonstrate, oh, this is a cool experiment you could run with an AI avatar. What do you think? And, and that's more for like general curiosity and just grabbing people's attention from across the web. But um, all of these channels, what's important to know is if you're starting out, pick one channel and do it well. If you're starting with your, you know, let's say you're starting with YouTube, really think about how are people searching uh, searching for solutions to their problems? What is the job that they're trying to get done? And then you don't necessarily want to dive all in and say, this is my product, buy it, like, to, like and subscribe. It's making sure that you are creating content that's generally useful for these larger kind of problems that, that folks are trying to solve. Let's say if a new feature comes out, how do we use those channels? But 
the other thing that's important to highlight when thinking about channels for um, for your marketing strategies, thinking about how they all tie together. Because I I personally don't create a video unless there's a pathway to it, meaning uh, maybe it's coming from a landing page, maybe it's coming from a, a blog post. There has to be a pathway to your video content. And then I also firmly believe in having a pathway out of your content. I, I like to think about the metaphor that um, no video should be an island. It's, you shouldn't think of your video as a, a living on an island, but rather like a forest pathway where uh, if your video is an island and you're just dropping people to there, it's like, man, this was, I don't really know how I got here and I don't really know what happens next. I don't have a boat. <laughs> if you're going to extend the metaphor, it's like, if you haven't given them a boat to get to the island, they're kind of just stuck there and they're like, this sucks. But you, um, if you have a pathway, if you think about it, like a forest pathway, maybe they clicked on an email that they saw, it took you to the video and they were like, hmm, okay, that's the answer to my problem. Now, what do I do next? And that's where you start to think about, maybe it's another video that comes after it. Maybe it's a, a some sort of job aid or checklist that they could follow. But um, all these videos, all these channels all talk to each other and all these videos, they don't have some sort of pathway that gets to it and then comes from it as well. I love the, the island metaphor. It's just like marketing one-on-ones, but when it comes to creating new content or exploring new channels, people sometimes just start you know, just to push out, like push, you know, random videos. Uh, one-off videos out there and not actually think about the holistic customer journey so that's a good reminder and a beautiful metaphor oh thank you one thing i wanted to add is that i myself and i'm very aware in talking to your audience that i myself am not a classically trained marketer my background is mostly in is actually in uh, designing branded learning products so companies who want to get into learning and maybe want to have some sort of educational product that comes from them or it's also media production. So I think if you look at it in that principle of building that experience or that pathway, it exists in many other forms. I think I've just found maybe in marketing, the end goal is to, you know, instead of having somebody um, do something different, like in training or learning, the goal is to have them purchase something. So it's a frame of mind that's a little bit different, but these principles are the same everywhere. So that's just to say, if you're creating any video content, whether that's for marketing or not, have a way to it and make sure that it's useful and have a pathway that goes from it. Otherwise, it's just, who are you creating these videos for? If they're for yourself, then great. That's cool. I like to make videos and watch them and laugh at the things that I came up with. Um, but if it's for anyone else, it's really the focus should be on them and what are they trying to do or what problem are they trying to solve? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I want to dive deeper into the awareness content that um, you mentioned from your perspective as um, a video producer, like learning strategist, wh what do you think is video's um, biggest advantage? And let's say we have a topic and we are deciding wh whether or not we you know, use textual content or video content. What's your thought process behind this and how is this decision being made on your end? Yeah, so the first place I always go to is you know, what does the research say? And it's really difficult because it's a lot of companies that are leading research and they want to say that you know, video is better than text, but how do we actually know that? What does the science say? And so I'm going to dig in a little bit to my, my background in um, uh, coming from classroom education and learning theory. The closest thing that, that we could say that's happened in an academic setting is let's say you're in class and 
your teacher is delivering uh, lecture style content, um, is giving you text-based content to study versus video content. What the research shows is that um, there's no actual measurement of did people learn better or retain more information from video? That research is still very hard to prove. But what people do find is that when it comes to preference, people prefer video over text. And so from my perspective, why, why is that? I already want to rule out like 60 minute long videos. I think recorded lectures, unless you're really invested in getting the message, and figuring out what this smart person that you follow said, a 60 minute video is just too long. But uh, I find that there's two things. One, it's just a much more engaging experience rather than sitting there with yourself and looking at text on a screen and trying to figure out what it means. Video, especially with a talking head or, or a face, uh, it gives you a little bit of presence and makes you not feel alone as you're trying to learn something. So I think there's that engagement factor. I think also when you put things into video, particularly if you're trying to figure out how to pa package information um, into video, you have to be more concise. You have to think about how you structure it because there's certain expectations that we have when it comes to video. For example, that you know, the first five seconds should you know, engage your curiosity. Like, did you know that there are more ways to sh shuffle a set of cards than there are atoms in the earth? Oh, well, that's crazy. I I'm going to watch this video. So there's already that. Whereas that's for me, that's as somebody who struggles with writing, that's a lot harder to get across in text. I think the advantage with video, I think one of my channels where I convey a lot of information is on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of that for you know B2B marketing purposes, but also just to like connect with people out there in the world and say, like, Hey, how is this all affecting your work? What's, what's going on in the workplace? Um, when they're scrolling through it, particularly on mobile, it's really hard to get somebody's attention with, um, with just text. Like you have to include a lot of emojis and which I personally don't like, but have to use, um, or you have to use an image, uh, which is better for stopping the scroll. If we're talking about awareness, but with video, it's like the video starts playing right away. So even if you're scrolling, you're like, oh, there's something moving. I'm going to stop and watch this and watch the message. So, you know, video is just a tool but it's a tool that I reach for often because it's more engaging and it helps and it forces me to think about what do I actually want to, um, what do I actually want to say? And then therefore think about how I want to package it as opposed to with writing. I see the purpose of my videos, even if they're for top of funnel stuff, it should be educational, it should be learning involved. It, someone to check out if you want to nerd out on multimedia theory is someone by the name of Richard Mayer, big name in, in multimedia theory, talks about the advantages of, of using video. You have both channels. You have the video, you have the visual, and you have the audio to get your point across. So rather than just reading words on the page, isn't it great if somebody gets visuals for more engaging and reinforcing this audio message that's coming through? To me, video is such a versatile tool, but at the end of the day, if you're thinking from a marketing perspective, it's so much more engaging to watch a video than it is to read text. So I would love to go deeper on the actual video creation process. So would you just give us a very brief overview of how you come up with topics on what to create and figure out the best format? Okay. So I'll start the first and most important place to start is, um, who are these videos for? Um, I think that's something that we hear often, but what does that actually mean? So, uh, 
in my case, I'm designing, you have to have someone, you have to crystallize somebody specific in your mind, your ideal customer profile, your ICP, who is that person who is literally sitting on the other side of your, with their laptop open or on their phone, who is that person that's watching your video? And I don't typically tend to think of, I know that marketing 101 is design a persona and know who that person is. The people that I'm trying to reach or the people who I'm trying to create videos for are typically at work and they want, they've decided that video is going to help them do something in their job. They're trying to get something done. Maybe they're trying to explain a new topic or maybe they're, you know, don't know how to make a screen recording. So I'm less thinking about Linda, 22 years old, just hired out of school to do make marketing videos. I'm less thinking about that. And I'm more thinking about, oh, here's a person. Uh, what are they trying to get done? They have a blog post, but they found out that their customers want video, but they've never made a video before. Okay. I'm thinking of that particular person. Maybe I'll give them a face and a name just so in my head, I'm like, what is Barbara thinking now um, as I'm making the video? But it comes down to really nailing down what is the job that person is trying to do? What is going to be useful for them? That's exactly where I start. And in particular, I want to ask that question, like if, if you're thinking about that next step, it's like, what are they searching for? I don't even really care about like what their daily life is like. What are the problems that they're struggling with. I might think about that later when I get to like tone and pacing in my video, but I tend to think about things in, in terms of jobs and tasks to be done, because I think thinking about individual people and, and making personas can get a really vague. So I like to be as specific as possible. So that's really where I start. And so where do I get that information? I start off by um, looking in two places. One is if you have customer data, looking for the biggest trends and pain points. Maybe if you've, if your product has made a big bet on using our tool is going to be the way to solve screen recordings or something like that. And then you look at your customer data, nobody's using the screen recording. It's like, that's a huge problem. If you've made that bet, stick with that big question. You know, screen recordings are really important for X, Y, Z, but then your next step would then go start talking to customers. You know, if you don't have customers yet, start by talking to people who have this problem and figure out why is this a problem for them? What are they struggling with? You know, in, in like get their thought process when they run into an obstacle where they need to create a screen recording, what were the events that led up to them uh, create, wanting to create that screen recording? And then we keep coming back to this idea of a pathway. What should they be able to do as a result of that screen recording? So talking to people and finding out what that problem is and using that to identify what that first topic is going to be. And you might write down a bunch of different topics, um, which is good, but ultimately the next step with ideation is that you want to select one single topic. Every single video you should come up with should have one job to do. And it's to answer that question. We start out what we call the foundation. There's three questions in there, but for now, let's just pick two. So the main two question is who is your audience? Who is this video for? And then what is the outcome of the video? What should somebody be able to do or do after watching the video? And an emphasis on the do, because I believe that the reason you're creating videos for marketing is to drive some action. The same with learning. If people learn something and it's just a nugget of knowledge that sticks in their head, that doesn't really matter to me unless 
I can actually see them do something in the real world. So with ideation, what you want to nail down is those two things. Identify who you're, the person is that you're talking to, what is the thing that they're trying to do? And then if they were to come to your video, what is the outcome of that? What will they actually do as a result of your watching your video? So once you do that, you start to create a scope for your video. And I just realized I'm perfectly framing mm -hmm. my head. Um, everything else should be in, in the middle there. Everything that you create, it gives you this nice big, um, this nice big um, net to say like, anything that I'm trying to catch or anything I'm trying to capture has to fall in between these two places. Once you have those two places, you're ready to start thinking about the next step mm -hmm. of, of creating a video. So that's where ideation mm -hmm. starts, the beginning and the audience and the outcome. You nail those two down and figure out what that job is to be done. You mentioned that you would look at what people are searching. Um, do you do that qualitatively or is there like a, a database or um, some type of analytics where you can dig into that search data? Yeah, so uh, th th that's a good question. So I work a lot with my, uh, my SEO team member who has a lot of apps and tools. And they send me some ideas in that way. But what I do is um, if I talk to a, a person who says, I struggle with how to make a training video, for example. Uh, that's something that's very relevant for our audience. I immediately go to Google and I just just iterate. And this is where, you know, if you don't know what to type in, this is where I suggest using tools like ChatGPT, where it's like you can type in, give me 20 questions that I can put in for people who struggle to make training videos on YouTube. And you can just drop that in and just be like, wow, okay. Like now I have 20 questions. And then I just copy and paste and see how many people are searching for these, the videos that come up, you know, is this space inundated already with videos? You know, can I create something unique? I'm very low tech in my approach. And so I'm just copying and pasting and just writing in how to make a, and then seeing training video. Okay. That has this, these results or how to make training videos about with screen recording search out each of those. And that gives me an idea of not the title, but again, focusing on that ideation. What is the audience that I'm trying to talk mm -hmm. And I'm sure like at any given time, you would have a bunch of topics that you could be making videos for. Do you have yeah. a prioritization strategy? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. And maybe since I'm asking that question, I really should have my prioritization strategy written down. So the problem with prioritization is that um, I think we're, we're fast growing startup. Uh, and so the overarching quarterly or company goals don't change, but I do think that it pays to be as reactive to what your customers or your, or leads want. So what I typically do is, um, I'm looking at my dashboard right now. So I always have top three, um, my top three ideas for the videos that I want to create. And so how did I come up with these and why are these my top three? A lot of this is, is qualitative feedback. So, um, comments from YouTube, comments from conversations that I've had where I've spoken to customers who are actively watching Synthesia Academy material. This is coming from all the feedback forms that I have at the end of each course. Um, this is coming from uh, G2 reviews. And I only have three because if I don't put my pin in somewhere and say like, okay, I have enough, I'm just going to keep organizing prioritizing. So at a certain point, you just take all of the 
the qualitative data that's coming in, if you have customer data that you can look at where you're getting that type of specific data on particular features or problems you're struggling with, of course, look at that as well. But take, you know, take a day, look at those insights, boil them down to your top three, go back, search, put that into chat GPT and say, what are things that I can search for? Then search for them, see what the interest is. And if there's a lot of interest, either you have big time creators who have a lot of views or, um, you know, you're seeing that what gets filled in, that becomes your top three, take a stab, say, I'm not going to take any more ideas. And then you just build, build, measure and learn. Cause at a certain point, you just have to start creating content. And at the beginning, it, it seems really messy, but you're just throwing spaghetti against the wall and you're seeing what sticks. I think where, what you're seeing sticks and where the learning part comes in is you're not going to have the data because vanity metrics aren't really going to help you create more useful content because my, my emphasis is on being useful and not just grabbing eyeballs. You want to be able to connect with those customers and say, like, hey, you said this, what did you mean by that? How can we make this better? And so I'll bring that into the next iteration of my video. So I constantly have this prioritization of what's new content that I want to have out. But at this point, I've been creating content for a year and talking with customers and, and prospects and leads. And, and at this point I have, oh, I need to go back and that was a really good idea that I already had. Let me go back and do that video with this new feedback in mind. Maybe I can make it shorter. Maybe I can make it more specific, but. Yeah, it's two levels of prioritization that are constantly going on. What's the new stuff and with that process I identified? And then what is the, um, what is going to be the, what do I need to redo or update? Like my goal is speed. My goal is you, I want to reduce the amount of time between when this new question came in and do we have a resource for that? Yeah. It's interesting that video is the faster content creation channel but I think of video as a lot harder and more time consuming to make so once you have the, the topics and know what to create what comes next okay so what comes next this is such a good question so we talked about foundation mm -hmm. next we're going to go into organization which is the o of focus so organization is about one thing what are you trying to explain so it's about taking that idea and saying you know we have our idea and for those that are listening I'm putting my hands back on either side of my head. This is about every filling in everything that fits in the middle. And so the way that we structure this is you start with your one key topic. What is the key thing that you want? If you had to pick one thing for this video that is going to lead people to do something different after watching your video, what is that one thing, that key topic, that nugget of information? And then how do you support that? So your key topic is like your thesis statement and then I like to say have up to three examples to help support that. Maybe you want to show this, maybe you're describing a process and you want to show that with a screen recording, or maybe it's, you know, I made this key topic and I want to make something visually sticky, like a metaphor. So again, that idea of an island versus a nice forest pathway. I want to be able to describe, use that metaphor to support my key topic, or that could be a story. You know, maybe that's a case study to drive that key point home. Maybe that's important and useful and relevant data to support that key topic. So again, it's that key topic, that's your thesis statement, and then three points that support that key topic. 
when you get to the your next step, it's all about putting those down on paper. You're not yet thinking about writing your script. You're not thinking about storyboarding, which I actually don't do at all, but you're thinking just about your key topic and then up to three nuggets of information because maybe you only have a minute long video. So you just need one bit of support to support that, that point that you're trying to get uh, across to get people to do something different. So that's the next stage. So for example, if I'm talking about how to use music in learning video, the key point that I want to drive across is that um, music is great for engagement in video, but it's also distracting if you don't use it wisely. Then I'm going to have three examples to support that. One is music is awesome for an a video introduction in those first 20 seconds. If I have my headphones in and I'm scrolling on, on LinkedIn or, and I see a video, like the music pops in my head right away. I'm like, Oh, what, what is that? I'm engaged. Like you you pique my curiosity, but then when I want you to focus on that key topic or that key point that I'm trying to get across, fade out the music because I want your focus just on that music. So that's like one, one way to support that is by actually showing that I might also say like a second thing of support is like rich Donald Clark. He's an OG in learning here. I might say like Donald Clark, a dude who knows what he's talking about, has this, did this research and he shows the statistic. That's my second key support. And then my third key support would be like, Hey, let me actually just show you how distracting this is. Like just play music really loud under a voiceover and be like, that music is terrible and distracting. So therefore, uh, use, and my call to action might be use music in your intro and outro, but fade it out in the middle. And so there's my video outline. I know I said, don't script or anything, but that is how I outline one central topic for the video, that one key topic, and then three up to three different ways to support that in your video, write those down. And that becomes the outline for your script. Got it. So as you're doing the outlines, do you primarily draw from personal experiences? That's such a good question. I do this a lot often, but I have to take myself and I have to set myself off to the side and say, what does the customer expect to see? Because, you know, maybe if you've started to build an audience and a following and people know who you are, they might start to be like, like, who is Weru? And you know, she makes all these great videos. So where does that come from? Oh, in her past experience, uh, she was a tennis player. And so that's why she has all these tennis metaphors. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's engaging. But if your audience doesn't know who you are, the best place to start is with research. I'm very aware that a lot of blogs make searchable research. And I would caution people against that. I would say, go the step further, figure out what the problem you're trying to solve is, and then do some actual I'm not even going to say academic research, just go on Google scholar and see if you can find actual academic research, scientifically backed research, peer reviewed research to back up what you have to say. So to go back to your question, where do I typically start? I typically start with as much science backed research or academic frameworks because th there's nothing that, that communicates information better to somebody than the truth. You can go a long ways by producing a lot of like seemingly useful content, but eventually the truth will catch up to you and people will be like, oh, they're just making stuff up or I could have come up with this on my own. So it's like, what is the hack when it comes to marketing, uh, marketing content for your audience? It's like, oh, you really have a question about this problem uh, and you're looking for real answers. Well, guess what? I already did that work for you. And so that's where I typically start is what does the research say as often as I can?
if I can't find research, then I look for academic frameworks, but that's also just my background coming from um, learning design. Uh, if there's anything you take away from this, you know, search Google Scholar first. There's another one that's, uh, that if you want to use some chat GPT, uh, some GPT enabled apps, there's uh, Elicit, which, you know, can give you abstracts. You don't even have to read the whole article. Just read the abstract, read the discussion and see, is there useful data that you can pull out? I know you do both tutorial videos and then mm -hmm. more awareness videos and just from ideation or like online perspective do you treat them differently or do they um, follow more or less a similar process or format when it comes to creating new video content and new learning content i'm very much focused on experimentation um, and I, I like this idea of running small tests so i'll take you through that process but real quick the reason that i'm uh, experimenting is because while there might be a lot of data on your audience and the people you're trying to reach, it's very difficult to know what they'll actually find useful or what they actually want to see. You can see what people searched for and, and all that stuff, but whether the content you're creating is actually useful, you have to run small tests. So what does it look like for, for me? I start with webinars at the top. That's like the first place that I test content. And the reason I start with webinars is um, it's just a, a very quick way to grab an audience and say, um, it, and I'm thinking long-term with my content where it's just like, if I am teaching people to make training videos, for example, I want to pick one aspect of making a training video. Maybe it's my workflow and do a webinar and just test and check and see like, what was the reaction? Do people find this useful? And that's something where I can come up with a few slides, bring in some research, show some examples, and very quickly put together something that I can talk directly to an audience and see their faces, gather their questions, and say like, okay, was this webinar useful? If the answer is yes, let's go into the next thing. Okay, how do we make this useful for even more people? Well, uh, let's focus our message and... Um, then let's turn that into a tutorial and that'll be around maybe three to five minutes and let's put that on youtube and see what do the vanity metrics say how are people reacting to it do people like this what are the comments saying and it's more about what i'm watching how much of the video did people watch and what areas are people focusing in on and then if i find that there's something useful there there's two ways i can go with this i can go more top of funnel and say oh let's make like the more exciting version of this and be like hey it's kevin from synthesia I'm going to teach you how to do this and I'm going to teach you how to solve this problem with screen recordings that you've always had and make that three minutes. Or I can go more down and be like, oh, this needs to be a course. Like this needs to be videos where they're going to learn this bit of knowledge and then I'm going to show them this video on this skill. Then that takes them there. So, um, it's all about testing and checking. So I've had to leave plenty of ideas on the side of the road to die because even though I was excited about it, I didn't get that reaction. I didn't get that response that this was useful and something people want to learn more about. Um, so I go webinars and then tutorials, and then it starts to split ways and say, is there a nugget here that is more searchable that people can use and therefore want to make it more exciting and more generalized? Or do I want to go deeper and say, like, this is something that is not just going to be a one-off explanation. You actually need more resources and you need to learn more about how to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. Me, selfishly, I want as much time with my ideal customer as much as possible. And it's a way for me to do more and more discovery 
and just get real-time information from, from customers about, is this useful or not? Um, my goal ultimately is to get them to come to Synthesia Academy and be like, all the resources you have here are helping me put together video. This is fantastic. And so I get there by making content more useful. I think that's just my particular slice of the marketing world where my goal or my outcome is I want for you to learn. And I'd really like for you to do that at Synthesia Academy. So that's how you get there. So webinars not might be for everyone. Um, and I think I'm actively starting to play with what is the, that's my main way of prioritizing what gets built when and how I select mm. those topics, et cetera. Something I'm realizing a distinction to make is that my, my approach towards marketing is customer education. Mine is more of like the slow burn and more content marketing where I just want you to know about us. I want you to find us useful. I think it'd be cool if you know, knew who I was so that when you see my face in a YouTube video, like that's where the channels start to talk to each other. So that's the rationale behind going webinars, which might seem big, but it's super useful. Awesome. So once you have the outlines, um, do you go straight into scripting? Um, okay. So at this point, what I have for a video is, um, I have my key topic and I have up to three supporting examples. This is where the lines get to start to get blurred between are you creating live video? Are you creating AI video? How am I going to visualize this? So for my key topic, I might say, I want no distractions. I want to drive this home. I want a talking head on screen. I'll either use myself, or I'll have an AI avatar on screen talking. Then next I will say, okay, what are these three examples? If it's a screen recording, I need to make a screen recording for that. And I might just talk that out and film the script after. Um, if it's, uh, data or statistics, I might say like, how do I visualize this? I want to have that number big on screen. So I'll just like you know, bloop that number nice and big on screen to remind myself. And then the same for the other examples, how would this best be visualized? And then I like to write out the script for just each of those different scenes. So at this point, I just have four scenes. If I want to test with somebody else and say, like, Hey, this doesn't have an intro and outro. This doesn't have a hook. This is the video I'm trying to get across. Am I getting my point across with this, these four scenes here? And I test that with them. If they say yes, cool. Next, we're ready to um, write a hook. And so that's where it gets interesting. How do I engage somebody's curiosity, but in an engaging way? And so that's where I start to go, okay, I need uh, maybe a, a, a catchy question, or I need to state the value of the video up front in some way. So now I have a hook. Um, and I write that script out. And then I also go to the end, the CTA, I think really hard in particular, what realistically do I want someone to be able to do after watching this video? I can subscribe is typically where you end YouTube content, but I try to make something a bit more tangible. Hey, for your next idea, grab a pen and paper and write down your key topic. Just write out a sentence for your key. really make it as actionable as possible for people um, and write that into the script. So at this point now I have a hook and introduction. I have my key topic and my three examples, and then I have my call to action and my sign off. But then you might look at this, this is where you can then look at your script and your work in progress video and say like, okay, is this good to go? Does it get my point across or is it worth it to make it better? Are there holes in the content that I need to fill? And so I might then go and say, 
okay, I need a few more scenes where I show some imagery to help set the mood, or I'm going to add a music bed, or I'm going to add in a little bit more script to tie these a little bit more cleanly together and make it cohesive. But all along the way, again, it's just, I can't emphasize it enough. If you're in a position to rapidly prototype your video where you can test and say, is this working rather than making the big gamble and say, oh, I like put all this work into this video and it sucks. Like that's the worst feeling in the world. So if you can test and iteratively work through your video, um, that's how I do it. You have your key topics and your support, visualize those, test those. Then next you want to write the hook. If you can test that, then your call to action, test that. And the last thing I'll say is by testing and checking along the way and like doing something and getting it out there, one, it helps you with creator's block. Cause I've stared at a, you know, a blank screen or a blank script and be like, what am I even talking about? Like that's a really hard place to be. So starting with your key topics and support and then visualizing that is a great place to start. But then also you can get a lot more no's earlier in the process and no, hearing no, or like this sucks. That's actually some of the best things that you could hear after you, you know, pick up your ego and polish it off a little bit and say, well, what do you mean it sucks? What should I do instead? That's where you get like the, that's where the iteration comes in. So that by the time you release it, instead of one big, no, this sucks, you got a bunch of little no's this sucks. And like, hey, this was actually useful at the end. So um, little tests along the way. Yeah. So much to unpack there. Um, so you mentioned you would actually, um, after you have the outline, you started thinking about whether to use a real person or use an avatar how do you typically make that decision and then second question is do you see yeah. real difference in, in engagement and reactions from audiences um between videos made with an avatar versus a real person mm, okay this is such a good question and maybe if we talk in like a month or two i might have a completely different answer but where am i right now so right now, the first question there is like, when do I use my live self and when do I use my avatar? I tend to use my avatar for more informational content where it's like, this training video is going to be about how to make a screen recording. If this video is going to sit on the academy or somewhere where the person is expecting the content to be more instructional or informational, and that's probably more mid-bottom funnel. Um, that's where I tend to use an AI avatar. I'm a little bit biased, but I think Synthesia's avatars are pretty fantastic for what they are. You know, like they look like they're like based off of real people. I've got two right now. I've got a couple others on the way, but uh, one of them has a mustache. I really like that one because at that time that I was filming it, that avatar um, was a bit more expressive in their delivery, but it's really hard to capture that or program in that like expression. And so I really reserve my AI avatar for more instructional and informational content. I use my personal self for YouTube and top of funnel stuff where you're like, oh, like let me use my person to drive as much engagement as possible and let my enthusiasm sing through the microphone. So um, that's kind of the distinction. Now, um, have I seen anything that's measurable that says whether an AI avatar is better or worse suited than a live video? All I have to go on right now is qualitative feedback. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the person you're talking to's personal preference. What do I mean by that? So a lot of the, the customers that we have are in the learning and training space. And, and if the demographic skews older, maybe around like 35 to 44 years old, they're kind of like in this weird place with AI 
video where they're like, oh, AI, like, oh, maybe I can actually use this. This is exciting. So I've seen AI avatars be successful there in terms of delivering content, not necessarily for marketing content, but again, for informational instructional content. Where I've seen avatars not go unexpectedly well is, um, is with Gen Z. I think Gen Z is a lot more skeptical about AI avatars in their current state. I think there's a couple of reasons they're weirded out about who's looking at the videos that I'm producing, who owns that, who owns this likeness? Do we even know where avatars are going or what the AI future holds for us? So Gen Z is much more skeptical, whereas millennials and uh, millennials and up are like, oh, like this is accessible and cool. And I see someone that looks like me and they're not as tech phobic when it comes to AI avatars. So. I don't have a firm answer for you now, what I'm seeing in my experience. Got it. That makes sense. As you said, you had a background in video, but for marketers or mm -hmm. people who are starting out, you know, trying to get comfortable on camera, do you have any advice um, for those folks who are just starting out? Yeah, in fact, I do. The first is with literally recording yourself on screen. There's no way to get around this other than just doing it. And one rule that I, I heard, I can't remember, I think it was maybe from Alan Barker or somebody, when you hit record, do not hit that button until you finish what you have to say. You might end up with a file that's like four gigabytes big and it has a bunch of ums and ahs and all, but like the second that you hit the stop record button, it's like your brain kind of resets and you lose that. And so when you hit record, that starts a timer. That means you're building up momentum to the best take that you're possibly going to have. Whereas if you start and stop and you're just like, oh, that was terrible. What, what, what was I supposed to say instead? No, keep your, your bullet points, or your script up and just look at them, but keep recording. Also something that I like to do is when I'm recording that big, long take, if you watch like the behind the scenes footage, I always hype myself up and I'm like, all right, all right, let's get to it. And then I clap really big. And I do that for two reasons. One, to get myself hyped up because you want that energy to be on camera. You have to give 130% and it feels like you're overreacting and maybe you are, but you won't know until you see the footage because the camera sucks up all the energy. So get yourself hyped up and then give yourself a big clap so that when you look at the waveform in Premiere or wherever you're editing your video, you see the pops and those become your markers for, okay, I'm starting a new take without stopping hitting record. That's like the one thing, if you've never done it before, just hit record and just do the damn thing. Like, yeah, totally. So we talked a bit about content ideation, about online, about scripting. And then we also touched upon filming it. Is there anything else to your um, video creation process or any video strategies that you wanted to add the biggest takeaway that i you know to really push home is that you're going to struggle the most with nailing down one idea i think if you're a new video creator and you're like okay i want to talk to people about how to make cookies and then you're like oh they really need to know the science behind cookies they really need to know what happens to oil when it or butter when it's been cooking for 15 minutes but then it changes at 20 minutes it's like okay stop go back to your target audience what is the thing who are they and what is the thing that they're trying to get done in their day-to-day -day life or their day-to-day -day work pick that as your starting point and then if they watch this video what is that one thing you want them to be able to do and if you're listening i'm again putting my hands up and sandwiching my head perfectly in between the two that is the bounds of your video that is the scope of 
anything that you need to create because anything, all the decisions that you make come, that come after that are okay. Useful is anything that exists in this space. If music is going to help that be more useful, then add music. If this data or statistic is going to be more useful, then add that in. But is an extra nugget of information, if it's not supporting that one point you're trying to drive home or get across, leave it. It's all about focusing on one video for one idea and making it useful. So thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. So for our audiences who's interested in learning more about um, your work, um, where can I find you and what other resources can you recommend? Yes. If you want to connect with me directly, uh, just search me on LinkedIn, Kevin Alster, and you'll see my little AI avatar pop up and be like, hey, I want to teach you how to make video. So definitely look for me on LinkedIn. And then also creating videos, really what we're trying to do is Synthesia Academy. So you can get there at synthesia.io slash academy. You'll see some of the video content that we've created or that I've created, but also my learning team at Synthesia, just more content about how do you actually take an idea and move it into a video? Uh, check out that in particular, the video creation framework. We have a course we're testing out. Definitely check that out there. And hopefully we can link those in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. I'll make sure that everything's linked in show notes. So for those of you who are interested, definitely go check them out. And thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much, Wei. It was so much fun. And thank you for listening to me talk.